So we are in week eight of this series. Now, I told you when this series started, Sermon on the Mount, this series is going to be pretty long. But there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we, we're going to take it methodically through. And in fact, we're only going to cover about six uh, verses uh, today in Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I said last week but the, uh, that next week's going to be the, the final one, but I think we're going to do one more after Father's Day. So we've got two more weeks after this, and, um, and then we'll have uh, that July 4th uh, weekend. But I... Um, I do want to just highlight just real quick uh, a, a summary, kind of where, where we've been, where we're going. Uh, so we talked about the Beatitudes, which is our spiritual, you know, w- for those who are spiritually bankrupt, if you ever have a need for God. We talked about Jesus, talked about talking being salt and light. You are the salt and light of the world. And the, you're salt because you give flavor and thir- you make people thirst for Jesus. There's healing, you know, through salt. We're reflection of Jesus through the light. Then Jesus uh, talks about the sins beneath the symptoms to where, and we spent two weeks on that, and um, Jesus gives us six examples of righteousness that goes to the very core of our hearts. So rather than saying, you know, don't murder, he's like, yeah, let's take a little bit further, a little more deep, and let's just not, let's just not be angry, okay? Don't be, don't be angry towards people, okay? Uh, don't commit adultery, you've heard that. Uh, let's take it further. Don't look at someone with lust. And that's, that's difficult, you know, to do. And so he, he talks about things that go right to the heart. Anger, lust, divorce, revenge, false promises, and loving our enemies. And then he takes a, a, a 180, and then he talks about not things you should not be doing, but things you should be doing, but still with the right heart attitude. And he focuses on three things as believers we should be doing, and that is just really uh, just simple. Um, praying, giving, and fasting. Praying, giving, and fasting. When we give, when we pray, when we fast, we should be doing it with the right heart attitude. When you give, don't, don't make it think like it's just a bill, okay? It's, it's not just a bill, Okay, it's your offering, and it's so easy, and I know some people, uh, it's so easy for, for people to, uh, to do it like that, to consider it like that, to approach it like a bill. I've, I've been there myself because it's auto pay, and you kind of forget about it, and it's just automated, but, but really, it's an offering to the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you can't automate that, but when you look at your bank account, when you see that that has gone out, if, if, if that's something that you do, then just stop and just say, Lord, it all belongs to you, and this is just a portion of what you've given to me. And so I'm trusting you with what you've given to me, that you're going to provide for my needs, and I'm doing this as an act of worship. So it's all about the heart attitude. And then we uh, took a week to talk about uh, what is your treasure. We, we pondered three questions. Where is your treasure, the things you treasure the most? What is your focus, and who are you serving? Where is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, there's your heart. What is your focus, and who are you serving? Okay? If this is your focus, this is what you're serving. Okay? If this is your focus, this is what you're serving. And I believe that's called idolatry. You might want to check that out in the Bible. Not the iPhone, but just anything that's taking the place of that, okay? And I'm talking to myself on that as well. I'm not, 
I'm not just pointing fingers at you guys. So um, what, you got to ask yourself, what is your treasure, your focus, and who are you serving? And then last week, we talked about don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. In fact, I use this passage in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6 whenever I asked Suzanne to marry me. I, it wasn't a romantic passage from 1 Corinthians or from Psalm or, you know, a spicy passage from Song of Solomon. It wasn't any of that. It was, hey, um, we're not going to worry about tomorrow, Okay. Uh, but we're going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things. What things? The things that he's going to provide, okay? The things he's going to take care of, like he takes care of the birds, takes care of the flowers, all of those things. If he takes care of those things, he's going to take care of you. So don't worry about tomorrow. And sort of the big takeaway with that was living in constant worry about money is a way of serving money instead of serving God. Think about it. If you're constantly worrying about money, then guess what? You're serving money. If you're focused on, oh my goodness, where's, where it's going to come from? Where's the next uh, uh, meal going to come from? How am I going to pay the next light bill? Leave it over to the Lord. Be faithful to him and, and trust in him and, and just, just give it to him. And he's going to supply your needs. I believe when God puts you in those financial situations, it's because he wants to see where your trust is, where your devotion is, who you are relying on. Are you relying on your job, yourself, other family members, okay? Or are you relying on God Almighty? And if you rely upon that and you believe, you're going to see God do amazing things. There are stories after stories of families, even in this church, where God has done amazing things in the midst of struggles financially in people's life. So, we move into chapter 7 in the final chapter of this Sermon on the Mount. So, if you want to turn your copy of God's Word, printed copy, we have the uh, Scripture on the screen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. i turn there myself. Matthew, of course, the first book in the New Testament. So here we go. Let me, uh, let, me, let me pray before we read God's word. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, that you take your word, this sermon that you preach, Jesus, and you just not let it return void. Let it sink into all of our hearts, those who are here and those who are listening or watching online, and let it be something, Lord, that we can use. Lord, teach us something. Because there's a reason why we still have these words. So, Father, we ask the Lord that you bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye or sister's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clear, clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. 
If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. It's like, wow. It's kind of a unique passage, talking about not judging. Then it talks about, you know, a plank, a wooden plank, a two-by-four, basically being an eye. Then we're talking about pigs and pearls. <laughs> what does this mean? What, what is Jesus trying to, trying to tell us through this? You know, this first verse may be the most misused verse in the entire Bible. There's a lot of them. But modern culture, culture sort of uses this comment uh, into a command to never disapprove or correct the actions of another. Have you ever heard someone say, especially non-believers, they'll say, hey, the Bible says you can't judge. You can't judge me. Or you will be judged. The Bible says that. Yeah, it does. But <laughs> you can't take this one verse out of context of the entire sermon. Of the entire sermon. And so that's very important. This mishandling of Christ's words is out of context three times over. First and foremost, Christ does not say never judge. He warns that there is a consequence to judgment. Second, this statement is immediately followed by instructions we'll get to from Christ on the proper way to use judgment. Third, Jesus' other teachings explicitly indicate that right judgment is necessary, while hypocritical or shallow judgment is wrong. Let me say that again. There are places where Jesus tells us and indicate there's a place for right judgment, while hypocritical or shallow judgment is wrong. Even so, this verse, especially the first two words in this, in this uh, verse, is a favorite quote of, of, of people trying to twist Scripture. Christ then begins to give some of the context needed to interpret those words. What Christ condemns is shallow, hypocritical, or selfish criticism of others. That's really what it all about boils down to. You can't be shallow and hypocritical our selfish criticism of others. Christ is clear that right judgment includes distinguishing between good and evil. Right judgment means this is good, this is evil. You have to have a discerning spirit. And that's where the spirit of God comes in. The spirit of God with the word of God working in tandem together. Okay? It's kind of like in your old wrestling days. You ever remember the the WWF, the old wrestling days where, you know, they had, uh, they, they would have, uh, you know, teams of, of people, they have two people uh, fighting, and, and then when one wrestler got, got tired, he would try to reach, and the other wrestler would reach, of course, it was all fake stuff, right, but it's still good, right, and they're reaching there, and they tag, and then the other person would get in there, that's kind of like how, how the, the, the Bible and the Holy Spirit works, <laughs> like when you're in a battle, when you're, when you're facing some things, and, and, and people in your life are, are criticizing uh, what you're trying to live up to and, and how you're trying to live life by the Word of God. The Spirit helps you with that. And then when the Spirit is, uh, spirit is uh, a little bit weak, guess what? The Word comes in. And so they work in tandem to help you along in this life. And so the, uh, there is a way to have right judgment. Judging others as if we ourselves are the standard of goodness is evil. Okay? We aren't the standard. We are not the standard. Judging others is not right. 
Those who pass judgment on others for differences of opinion or different matters are tempted to take God's place of judgment over his people, okay? So don't be judging because of differences of, of opinion, that kind of stuff. We shouldn't be judging that. Those attitudes motivate people to perform righteous acts in order to be approved by others instead of God. And so it leads people into this sort of life of trying to be approved uh, by God just on their actions. So we first of all see this sort of idea of misused judgment in verses one and two. Verses three and four, when it says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Pay no attention, you know, the plank in your own eye, okay? That, those verses right there. You know, Jesus shows us in this verse that we're often blind to our own sins. This makes shallow condemnation towards others even more foolish. This again uses a, the technique of exaggeration called hyperbole, where he is, um, he's just over-exaggerating for effect. Jesus asks us why we are so skillful to see the small little sawdust, the speck in a brother's eye or a sister's eye, and so unable to notice the log in her own, guy, in her own eye. And, and Jesus is probably, I can just imagine, he's out there teaching, and, and there's lots of people around him, and, and he sees probably uh, maybe part of a big stick or a part of a broken log, and he just kind of holds it up like this, right? So it's, it's kind of funny, it's kind of humorous. But it's, it's really serious. I don't know if Jesus did that, okay? But I could just imagine he's using these kinds of things as to, as to help us understand why we should not be judging others when we have some issues ourselves. Now, and I've had people do that to me in, in my years of, of Christianity, living the life of Christ, and, and also uh, being a pastor, Having others, you know, come to me and judging, and, and I'm like, you know, okay, so can, can I, I, I'm, I hear you, brother. I understand that. But I'm just thinking, okay, there's some, there's some issues here that you've got to deal with. And, of course, I didn't say that, but I'm just, I'm just like, okay, Lord, I just pray for them. Lord, just help them to realize they've got a big plank in their own eye. And so, as someone who's been on the receiving end of that, it's like, dude, you're, you're a hypocrite. Well, that's a way that the world sees us. You know, if we as a church are helping people with the speck of their own eye, but we as a church aren't living for Jesus, if we as a church are walking in sin, both as individuals or as families or as the bride of Christ, the world is looking at going, look, uh, you're, you're a hypocrite. That's the number one reason why people don't go to church. Number one reason. How do I know that? Because I ask people. I poll them. I say, why don't you go to church? Uh, hypocrites. And then they look down on me, but yet I know how they live. They look down on me, yet I know how they live. So, you know, this, this, this uh, idea of judging, this is human nature, and it is why God forbids his people to assume his role as judge over their brothers and sisters. Now, those specks and logs are truly sinful, absolutely. The speck or log that's, that's in your eye. 
The point is not that everything we see in others must be accepted, but that we should approach sin with humility and grace, not arrogance. So let me make sure you understand this. Because someone has sin in their life, you can't accept it. God is not telling us, Jesus is not telling us to accept it. Okay? Oh, that's how they are. That's how they were born. That's how they identify. Or, you know, that's just the life that they're living or, or, or whatever. And, and so, we, Jesus is not telling us to accept it. He's just, not, he's just telling us, look, <laughs> before you help someone with the speck in their eye, you better make sure you don't have a, a, an obvious log in your own eye of sin. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That's, that's just what he's, what he's telling us. He's not telling us, don't judge and, and don't separate evil from, from good and, and have a discerning spirit. That, that's not what he's saying at all. He is saying, we, no, we don't need to do it with arrogance. We need to do that with humility. To say a brother or sister, let me help you with, remove sin in your life, is different from pronouncing God's judgment on them. You're not pronouncing God's judgment. Okay? Now, have there been Christians who pronounce God's judgment? Yes. I do not <laughs> believe we should, and I can't stand this, that Christians go in front of abortion clinics and, and as, as young girls try to go in there to the abortion clinics with, uh, with coverings over their head to try to hide them, and, and Christians are yelling at them saying, you're going to go to hell. God hates you. I mean, there are people who do that, and that is wrong. 100% wrong. Now, is it wrong what they are doing? Yes. But, but we, we can't, that, that's not the approach. We can't have that sort of arrogant attitude. And it's not passing, uh, passing um, judgment on them. That's God's job. God, that's God's job. Now, you may say, well, Pastor Frank, what can we do to someone who, is, who wants to get an abortion? We've got a great organization, incredible organization, Bartow Family Resources. Kim Lewis is the director, and uh, she's got a great team, and we've helped them out. We, we partner with them. You, you, can, you can help connect someone with an organization like that. You can counsel with someone. You can pray with someone. But don't condemn. Jesus doesn't condemn. Jesus doesn't condemn. If you, feel cond- if you feel something condemning you for your sin, that's not Jesus. That's Satan. Now, Jesus convicts by the power of the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't condemn. Because he said, as in John chapter 3, 17, I did not come into the world to condemn it. That's not, that's not what I came in to do. Okay? I did not come here to condemn, but that the world would be saved. So, misused judgment is what we see in verses one through two, and then we are blind to our own sin there in verses three through five. And then we move to verse six, about pearls and dogs and pigs and all that kind of stuff, okay? So, this, this phrase from the Sermon on the Mount, most people, even non-Christians, have heard. The most common 
use of this comes from the King James translation, which means do not cast your pearls before swine, which is another word, pigs. It's easy to focus on the derogatory imagery of dogs and pigs and miss the real point, which is not meant as an insult. So listen to this. The message is about, what Jesus is saying here, the message is about wasting things of value on those who not only won't appreciate them, but might even be angered by the offer. So, I want you to read real quick, verse six, chapter seven. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. The long-promised Messiah, Jesus, came to preach that the kingdom of heaven was near. Those who believed this and followed him were eager to tell this fantastic news to others. Of course, not everyone believed it. Israel's religious leaders, notably, they would have reject Jesus. They would accuse him of heresy and hypocrisy. And ultimately, they would crucify him on the cross. Now, in the Jewish culture, dogs weren't really pets, <laughs> okay? I mean, they, I mean, some people probably could have them as pets, but they weren't known to have pets, okay? They didn't walk their dogs on the pathway. They didn't shock collars, you know, on them. They'd take the dogs to training and everything. Dogs were um, sort of wild animals roaming the streets. There were, dogs were sort of a symbol of immorality. You might, now, you might think, not my little puppy. Not my little puppy. My puppy is not a symbol of immorality. And you're right. You're probably right. Yes. But back in that, those days, it, Jesus, Jesus is right on point. So it's, under, it's very important for us to understand what, you know, the culture and how people looked at dogs, okay? And also pigs were officially unclean. This verse is a warning to Christians. Here's a warning to Christians. Don't waste time or invite harassment from those who are obviously hostile. Have you sensed any hostility in our culture? Huh? Have you sensed any of that a little bit? Hmm. I have. There is a, uh, there's definitely some of that going on. Scripture embraces the value of seeking to convince others of the truth. However, there's a difference between speaking to the willing versus wasting time on the hard-hearted. There's a difference in sharing the truth with those who are willing to hear it versus those who are hard-hearted. Those who are hard-hearted, those are like pigs and like dogs. It's not a derogatory meaning of them as people it's just how they will treat the truth. Do you understand? It's just how they will react to the truth. And man, our culture has a lot of people, again, I'm not calling them dogs or pigs, and neither is Jesus, but there are people in our culture who are, who are taking the truth of God's word and trampling it like a pig. Have you seen a pig like just get down a dirty eating something? I mean, it's gross. And they'll just fight one another, and those little tails are just waggling like this, wiggling, okay? But, but they'll just go around, and, and they'll fight each other. 
and just trample on and, and just make it, make it dirty and just, and, and, and that's what they do with the truth of God's word. In light of the culture, chaos, and corporate controversy, we do have corporate controversy, I feel this is a good time to address sort of this idea of transing and sexual confusion of America through a biblical response. There's a sermon that I heard um, this past week that even some of, some of what I'm talking about has, has, has come from that. And it was really an amazing, amazing message. C.S. Lewis, popular author, Christian author, is quoted as saying, when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his or her mind. <laughs> wow. What an amazing statement. We're seeing that even today. The world may think the church or Christians have lost their minds because we are not celebrating and embracing the things of the culture, but rather running the opposite direction of the cliff that no one else sees before them. Trans, the word trans, a preposition, uh, the, the symbol trans is a preposition in Latin meaning to cross over or go beyond. Like the, the transatlantic flight, okay, that's crossing over the Atlantic, okay? The transing of America is crossing over what we once were into what we are now, a culture in chaos. And if you don't believe we're a culture in chaos, you haven't turned on your news or looked at your news app. And maybe you're doing that intentionally. <laughs> and that's fine. But we are a culture in chaos. I want to make it clear that we should not hate or wish harm on anyone who believes differently or who lives this sort of life, sexual immorality. This is, for example, this is a strategy of our church. Belong, believe, become. We want people to belong. This is how we do ministry. This is how we do it. Belong, believe, become. I don't care what you're doing in your life. I don't care how you live. I don't care what you, who you go by. If you, him, her, we, they, whatever. I want you here at church. You may say, well, not if you're preaching like this. Hey, I, we're, just, we're just preach, we're preaching the word of God. But know this. We want you to feel like you belong. We want you to feel like you belong. And it's not just people who are caught up in, in sort of this confusion. I don't care what you're going through. You, you may have some addictions in your life. I don't care what those addictions are. I want you here to feel like you belong. And then, ultimately, for those who don't have Christ as their Savior, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to slowly but surely, through sanctification, become the person God wants you to be. We have a heart of compassion to help rescue those who have been swept up by the culture, who are running towards the cliff, but also want to make it clear 
that we will not look the other way or ignore the darkness in our world. We can't. We can't just look the other way or ignore. It's okay to have spiritual anger towards what is happening, but don't direct that towards a people. There's another guy involved, and his name is Satan. That is where our anger needs to go towards. You won't help people find Jesus if you're so angry at them. That's not how we help people find Jesus. The flip side is this. But you also won't help people find Jesus if you are affirming them. Church, did you hear me? You won't help people find Jesus if you're angry at their lifestyle, but you also won't help them find Jesus if you are affirming their lifestyle. We must hold the line on truth. We must also recognize what Peter says. If you, you don't have to turn there to 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. When, when people ask you about, what does God say about being gay? What does God say about all these genders? You know what they're really doing? You, you may think they're, they're, they're trying to debate you, and, and probably physically they are, but you know, inside their spirit, there's somewhere inside, they're like, I just want to know the truth. I just want to know the truth. Don't be pulled into a debate. It's not what it's about. Be pulled in with love and point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. There's nothing you can say that's going to change them. <laughs> it's Jesus and your prayers for them and, and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can point them to what the Bible says, and you can say, you know, those aren't my words. Those are those are words of God. These are words of Jesus. You know, and, and, and I live my life to this. If, if, if I don't live my life by every word of this book, then I'm not really following Christ. I'm not really a Christian. If I'm only, you know, obeying this part, but not this part. And so, First Peter gives us that great model. Offering the right cure requires a right diagnosis. So here's a right diagnosis that's happening right now in America. In corporate America... College campuses, girls' sports, public schools that relates to transgender movement and sexual perversion is complete madness. Complete and utter madness. When Target is selling women's bathing suits that is tuck-friendly, that is madness. They have also partnered with a, a, a Satanist who creates some of these clothes and products. When North Face has a guy with a beard dressed up like a woman as a spokesperson inviting people to go to the great outdoors, that is madness. When Disney, and you probably have seen this video, has a guy with a mustache and a dress welcoming little girls into the enchanted chamber, that is madness. Madness. When Coles targets children and infants to promote the LGBTQ agenda with outfits, that is madness. 
when approved reading material in the school system is so pornographic that when parents try to read it in front of the school board, they are stopped because it is not appropriate to be read out loud, but yet it's still appropriate for children to read in school. That is madness. Let's bring it closer to home. When churches are flying the rainbow flag and affirming sexual sin, that is madness. You may think, oh, this will never happen in Bartow County. There's a church in Bartow County who just recently brought on to their staff as the head pastor a gay man married to another man. Now, he starts being the pastor at the end of this month. Not in Bartow County. Yes, in Bartow County. Yes. And what's fascinating is there are people who go to this church who, who have affirmed this and, and even they're welcoming this. That is madness. It's right on our doorstep. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we need to boycott all these things. Now, that's between you and the Lord. And, I mean, I, I, I really have no reason to go to Target and shop other places and, and don't really care about Disney anymore. I'd rather go to Dollywood than Disney. But, and I'm also not saying that we need to shun these people. We we just need to pray for them. We need to get on our knees and pray for them. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not condemnation. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit to rest and hover over this church and this community. We need the power of God to rescue people who are confused and who are caught in this darkness. But it's happening. Right here. What does the Bible say about this? What do we, well, let's just read sort of a, a passage in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 28. You feel free to turn there if you want. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 28. Just these 10 verses. This is the Apostle Paul saying, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who supports the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are not without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their 
thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth for God for a lie and worshiped and craved and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with, one, with other men and received them themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what they ought not to be done. This passage is prophetic. We're seeing it today. We're seeing it play out today. What happens to a society that rejects, removes, and replaces God? What happens to a society that rejects and removes and replaces God? Number one, he gives us over to a depraved mind. We're seeing that right now. (laughs) Depraved mind. The second thing, people are deceived. People will be deceived. And you know, I have to turn to 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 11. It says this, this is the Apostle Paul. The coming of the lawless one, that's, the lawless one is the Antichrist, okay? The coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion. There it is. So that they will believe the lie. And so they will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. In other words, just the same thing. And what we read before, God gave them over to a depraved mind. God will give them over to delusion. What Paul is saying is that the culture will be conditioned to welcome and receive the Antichrist. They will be so deceived and delusional that they will believe the Antichrist is the Messiah. Do you see how this is all going to play out? You say, well, how can the people, I mean, I used to think of a kid, my mom and dad used to, used to talk about the Antichrist, and we used to watch scary movies, we'd watch The Omen and all that stuff, and yes, I did check my brother's head at night for the 666, you know, just checking to make sure, okay, because he's really acting really weird, you know, and I would check his head, you know, no lie, he probably did my, my head as well, and, and, and we talked about that, and I would often wonder as a kid, well, how, how are people going to follow this? I mean, it's going to be so obvious, people are going to be smart enough for that. <laughs> you kidding me? They're out of their minds. They're depraved. This world is delusional. Don't you see how it's going to happen? And then we see the demonic is going to be released. First Timothy 4.1. 
says this, the Spirit clearly says in the latter times, the latter times. How many believe we're, in, we're living in latter times? Yeah. Okay, 10 of y'all, great. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. You know, people, people have told me, yeah, Pastor Frank, you know, all the demons in the Bible, you know, and, you know, the, the, the demons that Jesus cast it out and, and how they were squawking and squirreling and all this stuff. Or, you know, the movie The Exorcist back in the 70s where her head turned around and vomited and she, like, levitated and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of weird and freaky. You know, where are those, where are those kind of demons? Now, I do believe they do exist, and especially probably in, in other countries and definitely here in the United States. We're, we just don't really see them as well. You know why? <laughs> because Satan and his demons have gotten really, really smart. They've hidden how they do things. I believe, and I, I'm not saying that, that every, every person has experienced is this, but I truly believe that there are a lot of people who are living in this sort of confused state, in this trans sort of state. I believe that they are demonically, you know, oppressed and possessed. I believe that's how Satan is showing himself in the world today. I truly believe it. We see that in that first Timothy. They will follow evil spirits and be taught by demons. There's a story in Mark chapter 5. When Jesus is approached by a man filled with a demonic spirit, he's landed on the shore and then this man sort of comes and, and, and Jesus talks to him, and we can see this in, in Mark 5, 6 through 10. It says this, when he saw, when this, when this uh, demonic man saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him, in front of Jesus. He shouted at the top of his, of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Spirit, one spirit, right? Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion. He replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. You know, there are people in our culture right now who are using pronouns like we, they. I, I identify myself as lots of genders. It, you, can, uh, you need to call me we or they, but you're one person. <laughs> we, we see it in Scripture. It's clearly said there's one spirit in that man. But when Jesus called him out, what's your name? Legion, for we are many. You can't tell me that people aren't oppressed or possessed by demonic spirits going around saying it's we, they. I believe they have a legion in them. So what do we do with this? 
Again, go back to the original passage in Mark 7, uh, Matthew 7. You, we better make sure there's not a log in our eye. Now, it doesn't mean we got to be perfect. But if, if, we are, if we're sleeping around or looking at pornography, but we want to help people with their sexual immorality, that ain't going to fly. It's just not. It's not going to fly. We have got to make sure that holiness is in our life and in our walk. We've got to make sure of that, y'all. And we can't judge people out of a life of arrogance. Look at me. You need to be like me. <laughs> no, we are not the example. And we are not the judge. However, we need to be bold to understand what is good and what is evil, what is good and what is right, and to understand that and to have a dividing line between that and to stand for the truth. Yes, there's a balance there. So in today's message, I just, I, I didn't want you to walk away thinking, well, Frank doesn't want us to, Pastor Frank doesn't want us to, to judge people who are having this life. God is the one that's judging that. What I'm asking you to do is to discern good and evil. And also, but also not to ignore or to affirm. So don't walk in anger because people are living a life that's different than what you believe. But also don't affirm. Does that make sense? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I've kind of gone over time, but I felt like this message was important for us. Um, you know, it's, it's, such a, it's such a difficult place to be as a believer, to walk in love, but also carry the sword of God's word to, defi- to divide truth from lies. So right now, we just, we need to pray for wisdom. And right now, if, if, if you have a log, a plank, a two by four in your own eye, you need to confess that. So just you and God, you and the Holy Spirit right now, just say, Jesus, just please, please forgive me of this. Help me to walk in holiness. I need your power to help this. I need to get rid of this. You please get rid of this. Make it so that it just makes me sick. And if you are walking in anger because someone is is living a different lifestyle, you need to ask the Lord, Lord, let me have your love. Let me have your love. And at the same time, if you have affirmed people and supported people in this. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't talk to them. Of course you can talk to them. You can, you can show love, but, but if you're supporting a lifestyle of sexual immorality, affirming them, then you need to ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of that. 
and ask the Lord to walk in wisdom. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Give us wisdom. Give us your wisdom. Help the Holy Spirit as we, as we walk with people. Help us, Lord, not to judge out of a, an attitude of arrogance or, or with anger, but also, Lord, don't let us affirm this. Help us, Lord, Jesus, to walk in wisdom and discernment. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I know this, this uh, message is pretty heavy, and I took a little extra time, uh, but you can't say your pastor doesn't preach the hard stuff, because I have to. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to stand before the throne, and I'm going to be held accountable as the shepherd. And I'm not driving as a cowboy. I'm leading in front of you as a shepherd. And, uh, and Jesus is, is the great shepherd. I just follow Jesus, and obviously you need to follow Jesus. But as, as, your, as your earthly pastoral shepherd, it's my job just to make sure we, we just got to do this right. We just got to do it the way the God's Word says us to do it. So don't forget, again, next week, got a great message lined up. Don't, now, don't, don't just show up at 5 o'clock. Come back next week. Okay, I got a great encouraging, this is a more encouraging message for the dads, okay? So trust me, it'll be great. And so I uh, would love for y'all to come back next week and then uh, make sure you're signed up for Dad Fest and invite others. Uh, we love you guys and we will see y'all next week. Thank y'all, bye-bye.